Hi, I'm Ellie, and I'm going through some pretty trying times on my very own trying to conceive journey. And if you're here, I'm guessing you are too. In this pod, we're talking about all things TTC and fertility to try and feel less alone as we get to know our bodies, while also exploring the different journeys that we might be on to try and meet our baby. Whether you're battling with infertility, trying after loss, or just starting out trying for the first time and you don't know where to begin, this pod is for you. Welcome to The Trying Times. Hey friends, welcome back to The Trying Times. I'm pretty excited about today's episode because it's about something that I have been doing for years and I get very, I don't want to say obsessed, but I'm going to say obsessed. Yeah, something I get obsessed with and that is charting temperature. I'm going to talk about why we temp, what it means, how to do it and what to look for on your charts, all of that stuff. Now, the information that I'm going to give you today is literally from my own research and going off what my body does and learning from other girls who have tracked as well. So you might have tried it and had other experiences from it and it might not be for you. That's okay. I first came across temping and charting from watching a girl on YouTube who basically talks about sex education, but like real sex education rather than like what they teach you in school. And she was on her own fertility journey and she started to track her cycles. She talked about the different apps she used and how they worked and also how to track on paper without an app. And I was hooked like straight away. I was like, that is for me. I love data and seeing patterns. So this was always going to be something that I wanted to get involved in. And I have learned so, 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 so much about my body from doing this. I honestly feel like every girl should be tracking her cycles just for a few months, just to learn what's normal for you. Because like I've said before, we are all different and we don't all ovulate at the same time. A couple of episodes ago, we were talking about ovulation tests, which are a great way of knowing when ovulation is coming. But what they can't tell you is that ovulation has definitely happened. And there are times where the LH could rise and your body tried, but then ovulation fails and then it might try again later on. So the easiest way to know if ovulation did happen is tracking your temperature. And that's not your everyday temperature like you get when you're unwell with one of those zap your forehead or the in the ear thermometers. It's your basal body temperature, like your core temperature. And you read your temperature accurately to two decimal points at the same time every day. So first things first, you need to get yourself a good basal body thermometer. I just got mine off Amazon and it's one that's meant to link up with an app that I've got. I haven't ever got that part working. Um, I just put it in manually, but that's fine. It works. It gets the job done. It's one of those thermometers that looks like a stick with a little screen on it with a number that you put usually under your tongue. I know there are other devices out there as well that you can get that read your temperature while you sleep and things like that. And I'd love to try them, but I just haven't yet because, well, they're pretty pricey and it all adds up pretty fast on this journey. So yeah, get yourself a thermometer and then you can set it to whichever degrees you'd rather track in. So personally, I use Fahrenheit purely because I just couldn't work out how to change it to Celsius on my thermometer for ages. And by the time I worked it out, I knew my patterns with the numbers. So I just capped it as Fahrenheit. But Celsius is fine too. Just do what's best for you. It really doesn't matter. As long as you don't go switching between the two, not that that should really make much of a difference, I don't think, but... You don't want to be confusing things. So then I guess it's how you take it. Well, when it comes to taking your temp, there are two places that thermometer can go. If you're like me, it goes under the tongue. 
But if you're feeling adventurous, then you can take it down below. I never have, but you do you. <laughs> the one thing that does come up with that one though is once you've chosen which way you'd like to take it, don't switch. It won't be as accurate if you keep switching between the two. The next thing is the time of day to take it. So you wanna be taking your temperature at the same time every day, like I said before. And this has to be done first thing, when you wake up, before you speak, before you get out of bed, before you even move, like literally anything. So if you are someone who sets an alarm at the same time every day, then you are set. This is trickier if you wake up at different times every day, but it's not impossible. I had this with my job before I changed up my career and then with the weekends. I would love a lie-in on the weekends and I didn't want my alarm going off just to take my temperature and then go back to sleep again. Not to mention that it disturbed my husband too, which he wasn't best pleased about with all the beeping at the early hours. I mean, if it works for you, then fab, do it. But personally, I like my sleep. <laughs> there was a time where I was setting my alarm for 5am every single day and then going back to sleep and it was fine for a bit but it soon got very annoying and I felt like the disturbed sleep was making things worse. So instead I researched ways around it and I found a sneaky little tip which I'm going to share with you. Temping half an hour either side of your normal wake up time that won't make much of a difference but you can adjust your temperature by 0.1 degree for every half hour difference. Basically if you wake up at 7am on a normal day and you usually take your temperature then and then you have a lie-in until around 9am on one of those days so that's two hours different to normal you would adjust it by decreasing your temperature by 0.4 degrees that's 0.1 degree for every half hour of extra sleep so if my temp was 97.92 at 9am but I usually wake up at 7am my new adapted temperature would be 97.52 instead of 92. So I've taken the 0.4 degrees away for the extra sleep. And it works the other way too. So if you normally wake up at 7am, but maybe you have to get up, let's say one hour earlier this time for work that day, or what happens to me a lot, you really need a wee at 6am. <laughs> you would increase your temperature by 0.2. So that's two half hours different. Again, if my temp was 97.33 at 6am, I'd put it as 97.53. Does that make sense? There are BBT adjusting websites as well. So if you are unsure, Google it and you just need to put your temperature in and what time you took it and what time you usually take it. And it just does it for you. Easy mode. It's not exact, but it's close enough to be okay for charting. I only adjust when I really need to, but sleep is important. I cannot state that enough. We need to feel well rested to help our body be in its best state that it can be for our hormones and our cycles. So it's not worth waking up for if you're just knackered. Sleep comes first. And there are things that can affect your temperature. So it's good to be aware of that as well. Things like alcohol and disrupted sleep, they can cause your temperature to go a little bit haywire. So it's good to know. So if you have a crazy night out, then the next day's temperature could be looking a little bit out of place on your chart compared to the others. You might want to just ignore that one and just look at the overall pattern. Which leads me to my next point. Um, taking your temperature just once or twice won't help. You have to do it every day to see the pattern. So missing one day, not the end of the world. And once you've done it for a long time, you should know your body's pattern well enough to know that the temperature it goes up to, 
and over when you ovulate. This is my experience anyway. Um, I have tracked about 30 cycles now with maybe the odd month off in, in and there somewhere. Um, and I know that if my temp is around 98 degrees or over, around the days that I usually ovulate, then I've probably ovulated. Um, and knowing that has helped me not be so regimented with temping these days. Now I have that information, I can just take it around when ovulation tests go dark and I can watch the next day or two where it's likely to go up over 98. That's been good for me on the cycles where I've needed to take it a bit easy and not temp every day. But at first, when you're getting started and learning your body and your cycle, it is important to do it every day. You won't see a pattern if you don't. And also, the first month will always be a learning month. Don't expect instant answers from your first chart. It's going to take two or three months really to start seeing that pattern. But what does it all mean? Why are we looking for a rise in temperature? I love this bit. This is the sciencey bit, the really cool bit. So before ovulation, in your follicular phase that we talked about a couple of episodes ago, your temperature will be lower. This is all down to your hormones. In that phase, your eggs are maturing in the follicles and then they will burst out at ovulation time and release the egg. Okay, so the cool bit. The follicle that the egg has come out of, it collapses and we call it the corpus luteum. It starts producing a wonderful hormone called progesterone. And we need progesterone to sustain any pregnancy that might occur from that egg being released. This is why sometimes progesterone is given in early pregnancy to people who have been through miscarriages. It can give a little bit of extra support to help it progress. Now, progesterone naturally increases your body temperature. So, if your temperature rises, that should mean that your follicle has collapsed and is producing progesterone, which means that your egg has been released and you've ovulated. The thing about temping is that it can't predict when ovulation is going to happen. It can tell you that it has already happened, which is why ovulation tests are really good to do at the same time as temping. You'll see that rise in your LH, your luteinizing hormone, on the test strips, and then the peak like we talked about in episode three, and then your temperature at this point should be nice and low. And then after peak, that's when you're looking for that rise. So what do you need to look for on your chart? To confirm ovulation has happened with your chart, you need to see five days of lower temperatures followed by three days of higher temperatures. The last low temperature before that rise, that's counted as ovulation day. This could be the day after your LH peak or even the same day or the day after. That's why temping is so good. It confirms the actual day that you ovulated. From here, you can work out your luteal phase length. When you see that rise for ovulation, this is what we call a biphasic chart. It's got one rise. Now, if you want to get more into the obsessing with charts world like I have, after ovulation and that first rise, there are other things that you can look for to kind of guess whether pregnancy is likely or not. And this is a bit of a dangerous path to go down because it can mean nothing. But... <laughs> If there is a second sustained rise in temperature, this is what we call a triphasic chart, and it's more likely to be a pregnancy chart than one without a second rise. You can also look out for a dip in temperature before that second rise, which could be an implantation dip, where, you guessed it, implantation could have occurred. Saying all of that, I have been pregnant a few times now, sadly all ending in miscarriage, 
but I have charted two of those. One was triphasic and it did have a little implantation dip. Um, and the other, it was all over the place. Honestly, it did not look pretty at all. So it can mean something, but if your chart isn't looking triphasic, that doesn't mean that you're not pregnant. So looking for these patterns, it's fun, but it's not a definite science. And if I'm honest, I shouldn't do it, but I do because it gives me hope when it's rising and hope is what keeps us going month after month, right? Now that is a lot of information and there's a lot to think about and work out and consider, but if you want to make it easy, there are so many different tracking apps out there where you can just put in your temperature each morning and it will automatically make you a chart and it will even watch your temperatures and tell you when ovulation has been confirmed after those rises. And if you look over on my Instagram at effortlessly.ellie, you will see that I post my charts a lot. And this app that does my charting for me, it confirms ovulation day after it sees the three days of higher temperatures with big red lines. It's easy mode. Get yourself a proper temperature tracking app like Fertility Friend. This is my current favorite one. It can look complicated at first, but trust me, it's not so bad once you're a month or two in. Keep persevering with it, keep putting your temperature in every day, and it just does the rest for you. Period tracking apps are great, but I don't think they're as accurate for catching when ovulation is. They go off the average for your cycle length rather than the data that you can actually get for the day of ovulation that your BBT can catch. I think I'll do another episode another day on the different apps and how they work because they can look quite daunting at first and complicated, but they're really not as scary as they look. If you have a go at temping and you're confused by your charts and the patterns, and don't be afraid to share them on the Trying Times community page. We can give you all the help and advice when you need it. Plus, I love looking at charts, anyone's charts. In fact, I think I'm going to make a whole page on the Discord just dedicated to charts. Why not? <laughs> so my data-loving friends, you know where to go effortlesslyelly.com, click on the link to Patreon and become a member and I'll see you there. I think it's really important to say here that tracking and temping, it can be consuming because you have to do it every day and it makes you think about it every day. So if it's too much, don't do it. We don't have to stress ourselves out more than we have to on this journey. So if you start doing it and it feels too much to handle, then you don't have to do it. But if you like seeing the patterns in the data like me, you will love it. There's nothing better than seeing a temp rise after the LH rise. It's really handy to know which day is your real ovulation day, rather than just guesswork that most apps do based on the average phase lengths. Tracking is how I discovered that I have a short luteal phase, and it gave me the knowledge and the power to go to a fertility doctor and say, here are my charts, here is the real data, my phase is short, what can we do about it? And because of this, I have been given progesterone supplements to extend my phase so I have a better chance of implantation happening compared to if I didn't have it. Knowledge is power. Know your body, know your cycle. And if you track and see that there's no rise, this could mean that it's tried and it's failed if you have had a peak LH test. And it could then go on to try again. So keep tracking and keep testing. But if it doesn't rise and there isn't another peak, this could mean anovulation. And this means that ovulation isn't happening at this time. It can happen and it sucks. If you track and your temperature isn't rising after your LH peak for your luteal phase, then it is worth talking to your doctor about. There are things that they can do to help you ovulate and having this data, it helps them listen. Because we do have to advocate for ourselves more than we should, don't we? 
So go armed with the evidence. Show them that you know your body. So that is temperature tracking. Um, I hope it's really helped you with getting started. Um, and if you need any help or advice, you know where to find me, Effortlessly Ellie, on Instagram and TikTok. My charts are on there. So if you want to go and have a look, do. Or if you want to come and have a chat and compare charts, come and find me becoming a member on Patreon through my website, effortlesslyellie.com. Um, and if you could do me one tiny little thing and <laughs> give me a little rate and review of the pod, I'd be so, so, so grateful. And please do share it with as many people who might need some support on this crazy ride. We're all here to support each other. And as always, all the love, <laughs> and I will speak to you very soon. Bye.